welcome to All Things Military Veteran Podcast. Our guests throughout the year will include enlisted officers and those who serve our veterans. Your questions and comments are always welcome. Just go to info at epccpv.org. My name is Ken Charnig, and I'm the founder and chair of the El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans, a local veterans group with over 1,350 members. I served in Vietnam as a combat medic, and today I help my brothers and sisters who have served our country. Our podcast today is about military hardware and our readiness. Now, back in 2018, I actually ran for office. That would surprise a lot of people. I ran for a House District 20, uh, which is a state house. And in my process of doing that, I did research as to our military. And if we are spending taxpayer money correctly, Obviously, we want the best trained, best equipped military in the world. No problem there. Is there a little bit of overkill? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, the U.S. has Abrams tanks. They're uh, amazing. There's no question about that. We have 5,500 of them. China has really upped their game. They're up to 4950, so they have almost as much as we do, but their tanks are not equivalent. And Russia has 13,000. You go, holy shit, we got to build more tanks. Well, not really. They only have 2,600 battle tanks. So I don't know exactly what a non-battle tank is, but bottom line is... It's apples and oranges. So we can basically run over Russia with our tanks. Okay, now think about also Ukraine. Now, Ukraine, we just gave them a whopping, what the heck was it, 31 Ibram tanks. It was all this, oh, gee whiz, it doesn't fit the... Uh, terrain that uh, the German tank is so much better for that terrain. Well, none of that's actually true. Um, I have no idea why the Biden administration didn't want to give more of those tanks. Yes, they are nine million bucks a pop, but I'm sure uh, the German tank is probably pretty close to that. Okay, let's talk about aircraft carriers. Now, personally, I have a little issue with the purpose of the Navy today. Now, everybody who's been in the Navy now immediately hates my guts. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Let me explain what my thinking is. Okay, first off, let's say... Something happens in the Middle East, and we are drawn into that conflict. Air Force, they can get equipment and people there in, I don't know, 12 hours. 
Navy, three weeks. In three weeks, the war can be over. In three weeks, the bad guys could have taken over a country. Remember, the Russians were expected to take over Ukraine in a day. So, waiting three weeks for an aircraft carrier, destroyer, whatever, to get to a combat zone, well, I don't know. I don't exactly see the point. Uh, also, once it is there, an aircraft carrier certainly can send some fighter jets deep into the country and blow up whatever is appropriate. But... If you're a destroyer, even a battleship, I think we still have a couple of those, um, they can get, what, 10, 15 miles in, and that's it. It's a limited availability. But let's go back to aircraft carriers. We have 11. They run $13. billion each and cost $600 million a year to operate. I think that the life it, uh, is about 30 years for an aircraft carrier, maybe less. But if it is 30, then it is costing uh, $18 billion to run it after you spend $13.5 billion to build it. And I guarantee over 30 years, you're ripping out old equipment and putting in new. But anyway, we got 11 of them. Okay, we, we need them because China has two. Think about that. We got 11, China has two. You're going, wait a minute, what about the Russians? They have one. So we have four times as many aircraft carriers as our opponents, Russia and China, have. Why? I mean, sure, if you ask a Navy Admiral, do you need more aircraft carriers? Of course, they're going to say yes. It means promotions. It means more responsibility, more authority, more power. But I really question we need that many. Okay, let's go to destroyers. Now, destroyers is kind of, you know, guns on the water type of thing, Uh they can move, I believe, faster than an aircraft carrier. Whether that's true or not, I'm really not sure. I didn't research that. But the bottom line is the U.S. has 92 of them. Yep, almost 100, 92. China has half that. They have 50. And Russia, the bad guys, have 10. Hmm. We have 50% more than our adversaries. And I'm not sure what destroyers do. Now, destroyers can go and destroy the bad guys' ships. But if there isn't a need for a ship, are we really doing that? And we can certainly launch missiles from land basically anywhere in the world and blow up the bad guys' ships. So, not really sure this makes sense. Okay, landing craft. Now, this is, you know, makes sense. If you have your troops on a ship, you got to get them on the land. Okay, the U.S. has 74. China has 20. Russia has 40. 
So combined, we still have more than our opponents. Okay, now let's talk about submarines. Now, when I researched this, I was getting all kinds of numbers. And the reason is it's apples, oranges, grapefruits, and maybe a couple of rutabagas. There is no such thing as a submarine. There are big submarines, there are little submarines, there are middle-sized submarines, there are attack submarines. Anyway, I tried to do the very best I could to make it apples to apples. Here, the U.S. actually appears, and I stress appears, to be less. U.S. is 68, China has 78, and Russia has 70. Hmm. Okay. But if China and Russia's are not equivalent, I'm not exactly sure how to look at it. I mean, I think everybody realizes we spend much more on our military than any other country in the world. Uh, and that's a good deterrent. But are we putting the money in the right place? Okay, let's go back to tanks. Start with ours. We have the Abrams. It is the best battle tank in the world. No buts about that. Now, China's dumping money in like there's no tomorrow into their military. At some point, I'm sure, I shouldn't say I'm sure, they probably could catch up. After all, they steal all our technology. Can't be that hard to copy. Okay, now the Abrams has been around since the Cold War. And if anybody thinks, oh my God, we're sitting here with a, I don't know, 30-year-old tank, what are we doing? Well, that's not true. Uh, the Abrams has been upgraded six times. That is, they get better armor, better communication, better targeting. It's like building a brand new tank from scratch, but you're building using the frame. Think of it as a truck. You know, it's um, you take the top off, it's a flatbed, you put something else on top. Same thing here, except it's military grade. Okay, now, one of the things that was said in Ukraine that the Leopard, which is made in Germany, was so much better. And the thing is that their diesel engine is easier to maintain. Okay, what benefits does the Abrams have? The Abrams will run comfortably and specifically on jet fuel, gasoline, or diesel. To switch from one to the other, all you need is change the filter. It is about as easy as it can get, and you're not dependent on getting diesel fuel to the front lines. Consequently, yes, I, who am not the brightest guy in the world, but just reading the obvious here, I think the Abrams is probably better than the Leopard, but there's probably more Leopards around. They were very 
uh, commonly sold throughout Europe. Okay, is there anything to stop an Abrams? And the answer is yes. All tanks have vulnerabilities. And the vulnerability on an Abrams is a missile. You shoot it up in the air and it comes down on the top of the tank and that has the least amount of armor. I mean, you can make a tank impervious, it's just too heavy to move. Now, the good thing about the Abrams, even though it's big and heavy, it can go 300 miles on a tank of fuel. So, that's pretty cool. Okay, as mentioned before, we got 5,500 of these. They usually run on diesel, but they can run on jet fuel or gasoline. Okay, I also mentioned that these are $9 million a pop. Now, we have 5,500 of them. Do the math. It is a whole lot of money, and I'm not exactly sure... How many, oh, I don't know, how many land wars we're going to do at the same time? If we're doing 6, 8, 10, I would say we have much bigger problems than owning enough tanks and having enough people trained to drive those tanks. Okay, now I mentioned the Leopard 2, the German, that's a real common one. They have a diesel engine, easier to maintain. Uh, but here's here's one that I think is kind of interesting. Now, anybody that's been in the military is aware of artillery. Now, when I was in Vietnam back in the olden days, 50 years ago, they had artillery. We had a um, battalion of artillery right next to us to make sure we didn't sleep at night. Okay, that works. And, um, you know, they would sit there and they would fire their artillery shells and they would get close to whatever they're aiming at. Uh, things are much better now. You can basically nail an ant from 10 miles away. Okay, now, what's new? What is changing? Well, certainly the ability to... Um, you know, better targeting, uh, better distance, but targeting is the biggest issue. There is a new artillery cannon that is in late stages of development that the shell goes 1,150 miles. Today, the longest strike an artillery shell can make is 25 miles Hmm, think about that. It is, shoot, um, 10, 100, no, 50 times further. Okay, let's put this in perspective. You're setting in Denver or Colorado Springs, doesn't matter, and you decide you want to blow up a building in Chicago. That's a long ways away. So you sit down, you put in the coordinates, punch the go button, off it goes. And it lands in Chicago with 150 
miles to spare. That is flat out amazing. Now, how this is different from sending an intercontinental ballistic missile, which can accomplish the same thing, I am not sure. But at any rate, it is interesting. Now, the drawback, supposedly, is that these shells are going to cost $500,000 each. Now, they say, wow, that's so much money, it's probably not feasible. And I'm thinking, everything the military does is in the billions. What's a half million dollars for a shell? If it's really as good as they say. Okay, now, I was a combat engineer. I was combat medic form, and I carried an M16. Many of the people listening to this broadcast have never seen an M16. The current new weapon, and this has been introduced, I think, earlier this year, if I remember correctly, is an XM7. Hmm. Why did they change it? Well, for lots of reasons. The M16 used to jam all the time. Uh, That's a bit of a problem if you are in a uh, firefight and your weapon jams. It is a big problem if everybody's weapon jams. Um, So they wanted to correct that problem. They wanted to make it lighter. They wanted to make it more accurate. They wanted to reduce the recoil. Anyway, XM7 does all of that. It's a great weapon. Okay, let's talk about Money. Okay, Navy destroyer. Remember the uh, aircraft carriers were thirteen point five billion. Well, the destroyer is a heck of a deal. It's only three point four billion dollars. Okay, an attack boat. Now this is kind of interesting. It's actually more expensive than a destroyer. It's seven point two billion. Okay, battleship, $13 billion. I'm Again, I'm not even sure we're still building those because they're so big. Uh, they become more of a target than a weapon, but I don't know. I'm not Navy. Submarines, heck of a deal, $3.45 billion. And, of course, the aircraft carriers, 13 So if we look over the Navy boats... They don't seem to be able to build a rowboat for less than a billion dollars. Well, what the heck? It's only money. How about the Air Force? Well, let's see. Fighter jets. Yeah, that's kind of what you need a lot of. You need those and bombers. Let's talk fighter jets first. The U.S. has 1,511 fighter jets. China's not that far behind. They have 1,215, and Russia has 850. Now, if we go to war with China and Russia at the same time, they're going to have 30% more fighter jets than we do. That probably isn't a very good thing. Personally, I would like to skip a couple of aircraft carriers and just get more fighter jets, but what do I know? Bombers. Okay, the U.S. has 156. 
China has 120, Russia 135. Again, if they become our uh, adversary and they start a war together, then this could be an issue. But uh, our Air Force, I'm sure, are not dumb. So they must have contingencies. It is entirely probable, not possible, probable, our jets are better than their jets. Our bombers are better than their bombers. Uh, and, of course, they're very expensive to build, you know, $100 million a pop, something like that. Okay, let's say Russia and China invade us. They take their landing boats and sends their army directly onto our shores in California or New York or wherever. Okay, let's take a look at the U.S. Army. Okay, we have 482,000 active duty. And if you throw in reserve, uh, we're up over a mill. Sound like a lot of people. Okay, China's always had a massive military. Their active duty military is 620,000 or about 50% more than we have. And if you add everybody else up, I assume they have like a reserve or something. Anyway, it's two and a half million soldiers. Okay, so we're already, they're two and a half times more than we are. Okay, Russia has 1,331,000. Okay, they also have more than we are. But the Ukraine has shown that they're poorly trained. They are uh, poorly uh, controlled. They are poorly everything. They just basically take people off the street and say, here's a gun, uh, we'll teach you how to use it lighter. And we are killing them in droves. But still, lots and lots of people is an issue, and killing a million of the opponent isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a Vietnam guy, and in Vietnam the U.S. military lost 58,000 soldiers to combat. Okay, now what did we do to the Vietnamese? They lost 2.5 million. Now you're going, wait a minute, how did they possibly have an army that big? And the answer is, drum roll, they didn't. We counted everyone who appeared to be 14 years or older as an enemy combatant. And if we flattened a village with a bombing, then we'd go in and count all the dead bodies. Uh, if they were burned up, must be a guy. They probably had a gun and threw it away. It was hot. Um, we just basically killed a lot of men, women, children that were not combatants. They couldn't possibly have funded that. Now, the North Vietnamese did come down. They were the regulars. Uh, they brought in tanks, artillery. 
uh, food, ammo, and they were supplied by the Chinese. You're going, oh, the bad Chinese. Well, actually, the North Vietnamese asked the United States first, way back after World War II, and we refused to help them. Chinese said, yeah, sure, why not? And that's how we created that animosity. So anyway, let's go back to my list of soldiers. Now, what does the U.S. have that China and Russia doesn't have? NATO. NATO's good guys. They have tanks. They have planes, jets, and bombers, and uh, armies, and navies. Okay, let's just go with the soldiers, on-the-ground soldiers. How many do they have? Three point three six million and if we look at russia and china active duty they have just under two million so we actually have more in other words from a soldier's standpoint it's uh we're better off so How do we look at all of this? What's the overall picture that this says? Now, if you look at the number of Army soldiers, it looks about right compared to Russia and China. If you look at our fighter jets and bombers, uh, if you combine it with NATO, we're definitely much bigger, uh, a little bit smaller by ourselves if you look at tanks apparently the lobbyist for the tank industry is amazing because we have I mean just think logically for a while let's say we had I don't know I'm making this up but let's say we have 3,000 tanks on army bases around the United States war breaks out in Russia how long is it going to take to get those tanks over there? Yeah, that's an issue. So, well, good thing we got the Navy. Well, that's not how you get them there quickly. Uh, the Air Force has freighters, and they definitely can. Uh, I don't mean freighters, uh, freight carriers. Uh, so they can get the tanks there quicker. They can get artillery there quicker. And as everyone knows, the intercontinental ballistic missiles, you can fire them from anywhere to land anywhere. Uh, That's a slight exaggeration, but not too far off. So if we look at all of this, I still say we do not need a Navy as big as it is. And I think an argument could be made that we don't need a Navy at all. Uh, And... Are you ready to really hate me? I'm not sure we need the Marines. Now, they are a valiant group. I have many Marine friends that uh, fought in Vietnam and conflicts afterwards. Uh, They have the toughest uh, deployments. They go in first, high casualties, etc., etc. But They basically do the same thing the Army does. There's not a whole lot of difference, at least not from my perspective. 
So if you merge the Marines into the Army, and they could be like a uh, first deployment group of the Army, you now get rid of a bunch of overhead, and you don't have the head of the Marines and the head of the Army fighting over money. And if the Navy all of a sudden goes away, and that, I mean, like, over 20 years, 30 years, something like that, we just stop spending money on it, and slowly but surely the boats are mothballed and Navy gets smaller. Then we turn around and put that money into Air Force. That's what we need, Air Force. So we can take troops and equipment and drop it any place in the world in 10 or 12 hours, not three weeks or more. So anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, If you disagree with me, I would love to hear your comments. Don't just yell at me. Have a reason and have a little logic behind your thinking. And if you are an ex-Marine or sailor, uh, just because you loved your service doesn't mean it's the right decision in today's age. All right, so much for my little chat about weapons, military, and spending money. Okay, here is a message from our sponsor who actually pays the bills and keeps our podcast alive every week. All Things Military and Veteran is proudly sponsored by Native Roots Cannabis Company, Colorado's leading locally grown and owned dispensary chain. Native Roots has been our largest donor since we were founded four years ago, and I thank them with all of my heart. They have 20 locations in Colorado and Native Roots is ready to educate and serve adult use and medical patients alike. Thank you for listening to All Things Military and Veteran Podcast. We can be found on over a dozen podcast apps, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. We hope you find our programs rewarding and informative. Feel free to contact us at info at epccpv.org. That's info at epccpv.org. Or just give me a call. You can yell at me one-on-one. I answer this phone. It's 303-618-6131. 303-618-6131. Thank you for listening, and I hope you found today's podcast informative. Stay safe.